Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. Expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Tuesday, June 15th, 2021. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news, and we're going to bring you an interview with F9 director Justin Lin. This is Slash Film editorial director Peter Serrata, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film weekend editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And later, we'll be joined by writer Huai Tran Bui. But let, let's get into the one and only news story that we're talking about on today's podcast and this is actually kind of a, a fast and the furious themed podcast like a bit kind of sort of um okay so when they were filming the avatar sequels there was i think an instagram post by vin diesel showing himself on the set of those movies that led to speculation that he could be in those movies and now we might have an answer brad tell us about it yeah, so Josh Horowitz, uh, who's a reporter for MTV News, recently talked to Vin Diesel uh, in support of the upcoming release of F9. And because he's a big James Cameron fan, he had to ask Vin Diesel whether or not these rumors about him potentially being in the Avatar sequels were actually true. And uh, Vin Diesel, despite being uh, an actor... By, by, is- by the way, I just, I just realized this right now. Vin Diesel only wants to work with directors that are named James. James Gunn, James Wan, yeah, James Cameron. That's true. And then we'll just ignore all the other movies that weren't directed by anybody named James just so that we can yes. keep that narrative <laughs> well, going. That, 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 well, that's his new direction in life. He's found that like great success comes when you work with directors named James. Well, so. we, we could expand and just do directors whose names start with J. Justin Lin, John M. Uh, or not, not John M. Chu. What am I thinking of? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay uh i'm sorry i i totally interrupted you brad uh tell us about it yeah so vin diesel um isn't a good liar even though he's an actor because when he was asked <laughs> about this he got this like giddy childhood grin on his face that were like it was clear he couldn't hide anything uh whatsoever about the question and so um vin diesel when he was asked if they were about the rumors he said that he has spent time with james cameron but he hasn't filmed anything yet. Uh, and of course, yet was the operative word in that sentence, which uh, Josh Horowitz totally honed in on and said, so does that mean he's going to be shooting something with him soon? 
uh, and Diesel still smiling and grinning like a total <laughs> goober. Uh, he said, I love James Cameron and I love the series. And I think it's safe to say that we will be working together. And he stopped just short of saying on Avatar or whatever. But if you go watch the video that we have in the article, you'll see that there's just there's no containing that this is a truth, a true thing that's happening. <laughs> you know, I just assumed when he posted this photo way back when that he was on set. I mean, obviously, his co-star from the Fast and Furious movies, uh, Michelle Rodriguez, she was in the first Avatar movie, right? So I I just assumed that he was visiting the set just as like, you know, <laughs> just as a, as a visitor. But now it appears that maybe he has a role in the Avatar sequels. But aren't they done filming the Avatar sequels? So they're done fil- live action production for Avatar 2 and Avatar 3. But as we know, there are still plans to do Avatar 4 and Avatar 5. So it's probably safe to assume that he won't be involved in those first two movies and whatever character he's playing will likely be part of those second two movies one or, or one or the other. Okay. Now the question comes, Brad, do you think he's going to play a, a human character? Like I could totally see him as being like one of those like Marine kind of characters, but that seems like too obvious too like <laughs> too pat for, for casting for this movie. Or do you think he's going to be like an actual Navi or something? I could see him potentially uh, playing a member of the Navi. I could also see the, the possibility of maybe they'll introduce uh, a new alien species that we haven't met yet, and maybe Vin Diesel will be part of that group. Um, but it's it's fifty fifty if not because it's, it's it's either the Navi or a member of the RDA. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, Vin Diesel has figured out that if he's making a lot of money when he's an alien species in movies directed by someone named James, so he's going. <laughs> So, so, so that's what it, that's what he's shooting for with uh, the Avatar sequels. There you go. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> I think that's it for today's news. And for our feature presentation, I'm going to bring on our slash home writer, Waitran Bowie, to talk about her interview with Fast Nine director Justin Lin. Hey, Chi, are you there? Hey, everyone. <laughs> yeah, it's a little weird, a little different today. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to record in pieces. It's, it's it's fun. Okay, so this interview with Fast 9 director Justin Lin, this was recorded at a virtual yes, junket? it was a virtual junket that was um, took place this past weekend. I only spoke with Justin Lin, but I talked to him for about 10 minutes. I went a little over uh, about F9 <laughs> and uh, why he came back to the franchise, why he's sticking around for the next two movies that will end the franchise. And uh, we also talked about Justice for Han and uh, his whole reaction to that internet campaign that blew up in the aftermath of uh, Fate of the Furious, uh, as well as a practical stunt that didn't make it into the movie, but that he dearly wished it would to the point that he said he would have paid for the weather balloon from his own pocket. Is that the tease for, for how oh, wow. the interview goes? Yeah, and from what I understand, there's no sp- real big spoilers in this interview. Obviously, you talk about the rocket car, but that's in the trailer. Um, you do bring up that you went over on this virtual interview, and I'm kind of wondering because I haven't done these virtual junkets. 
I've just avoided them in this last year for some reason. And I'm I'm wondering because usually like at the in-person junket, you're like in this hotel room and there's a publicist in the corner and she gives you like this wrap-up sign when you when you have like this list of questions that you haven't gotten to yet. And you're like, oh no, I gotta pick one more. I only have one more question. So how does it work? in the virtual arena like how do they tell you to wrap it up or are you just uh, timing tell you to wrap it up it's on zoom they have this little chat window that goes only to you it's like a little private chat window and they just say ah. please wrap up wrap up after this question but i thought i could squeeze in one last question and justin actually ended up going <laughs> long on that last question and gave a great answer so i was happy with it but uh, it's mostly a passive aggressive please wrap up after this question and then repeated please wrap up after this question <laughs> But <laughs> my favorite is when the publicist does that, does like the like wrap it up sign. And then after you've asked the last question, the director or the actor or whoever the interviewee is, is like, no, I, I have time for one more question. And like the publicist looks like annoyed because her whole schedule is like screwed yeah, for the day. Exactly. You, just, you but, just feel the passive aggression coming through the text <laughs> instead. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so here is HT's interview with Justin Wynn. I hope you guys enjoy. How are you? I'm good. Good. Thanks. Thank uh, you. Excited to speak with you. So this is the first Fast and Furious movie you've directed since Fast and Furious 6 in 2013. Uh, what was it that brought you back to the franchise? You know, uh, for, for me, uh, the idea of kind of further exploring this theme of family, but through blood was very exciting, you know, and I think I knew that if we were going to do that, there was an opportunity to to really kind of ex also explore the kind of the origin of this whole mythology. So that that's that was what kind of set me off on on this whole journey for nine. So this is also the first Fast and Furious movie that you've directed without Chris Morgan penning the screenplay. Uh, what was it like co-writing the script for F9? The, the process has been uh, very similar. I think that, you know, when you make these movies, it's, it's not, it, when it comes to like crafting it, it's not, uh, it's, it's an all immersive uh, uh, experience. You know, I, I think that um, if anything, I, I feel like, uh, there's a way I, I think we, we, we've kind of gotten used to working where it's like, we joke about it. Like this is the biggest independent, you know, film ever made, you know, it, it, it is, it is, it's not like the writers go away for, you know, eight weeks and come back. It's we're continuously because, you know, designing the writing, the, the action, everything, all the language that I think, you know, now having experience doing other mediums, I realize how unique this is, you know? I mean, I, I went to film school and I'm like, I was taught, yeah, you don't start shooting a film until your script is 100%. And here it's like, we're constantly evolving and pushing and challenging. Um, and it's it's something that we've developed in, in the last 15 years. So uh, I think if anything, coming back, I felt I felt more support in that, like, if anything, we've all kind of evolved and, and grown. Speaking of evolving and planning ahead, you've said that F9, it will be the first in a trilogy that will end the franchise. Uh, do you also plan to co-write the last two films of the Fast and Furious franchise too? And what can we expect from those? It's interesting, you know, I think, um, again, that the process has always been the same. The, 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 the credit uh, is, is something that gets uh, dished out later, but, you know, I, I, I feel like it's always been I think maybe coming from the indie world or, you know, uh, from Tokyo Drift on, it's always been like 
heads down, let's write, let's keep going, let's let's go. Um, so I, I definitely am a part of uh, you know the development of it. Um, I have to say, I think the, the final chapter, actually, we started talking way back. I, I don't know the exact time, but I think it's probably like nine years ago. You know, Vin would come in and talk and, and, and Paul was actually part of that conversation. Um, and I've always thought it was just a uh, exercise. You know, I, I was like, I was thinking we're never going to realize it. And then when I came back for this, Vin said, well, now that I got you back, you're not leaving. Like, we're going to finish this thing together. And so... Um, it was actually really uh, uh, great to hear and, and, you know, to know that a lot of these things we've been talking about and also having the runway, you know, going into nine, knowing that, you know, in the past, it was always, can we earn another chapter? And if we do, what are we going to do? And so that's been the mentality, but coming in here thinking, oh, well, nine is about, you know, hopefully 20 years, we can kind of, you know, Hopefully we've earned our right to be able to kind of look back and, you know, and solidify some of the mythology, but at the same time, you know, embrace and, and, and be a little self-aware of kind of where we've been. Um, and also hopefully setting everything up, introducing new characters, bring other characters back so that we can now all point to the right direction for this final chapter we've been talking about uh, for, for a bit. Let's talk about just for Han and bringing Han back. Uh, so when you, you had stepped away from the franchise, when Han's supposed death by Deckard Shaw's hands played out in Furious 7, how did you initially feel about that retroactive change to a character that you had created? Um, you know, I, I think when I, when I left, it, I, I felt like it was time that you know, I I came in with Han and I was going to leave with Han, so it was never any intention of bringing him back. And it was, um, you know, we were having a uh, I think it was 15th anniversary Fairlux Tomorrow screening at the Egyptian, and that's that was the first time during the Q and A someone brought up Justice for Han. I was like, well, what is Justice for Han? And when I found out, I was I was you know I was baffled, but I I think if anything, I, I, I maybe it was a little hurt, you know, I think that there's such a beloved character, the way it was treated, it was almost like he was just dismissed. And so I really appreciated that. So I think the idea of bringing him back is, is to me is not justice. I, I, I feel like um, how we treat this character going forward. I, I, I think that's, you know, to me, that's justice. And I give the fans 100% credit because you know, I, 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 if I, I came back, not, not for that reason, I came back for the exploration, you know, through Jacob, but now looking back, I kind of feel fortunate, you know, because of everything that's happened. I, I now get the gift of, of bringing, you know, getting to work with Han and, and, and creating, you know, hopefully a lot more uh, uh, journey for him to explore. Yeah. So if that social media uproar for Justice for Han hadn't happened, then maybe you wouldn't have even considered bringing Han back in no. this movie. Wow. No, no. I, I, it's funny because people are like, oh, you like bringing dead people back. I'm like, I, I don't wake up wanting to bring dead people back. <laughs> like, um, but I have to say that was one that, that I felt, you know, I actually felt really proud, you know, because when we started, there was, you know, there was, we were at a very different place. And the fact that people cared enough to voice it and it became this thing, um, it just, it, it made me feel like this character that I've been with for all these years meant something to others, you know? And so um, I, I, I'd never done anything like it. And I, it is very special. I, 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 I'm, I'm glad it's, it's, if anything, it's, it's for Han. Yeah. And he was, I know for me, one of the sort of main central 
Asian characters in movies for a long time. And there's only been recently that kind of uptick in Asian representation in film. So I think that like that led into the love for Han and, and what people wanting to bring him back. And how did that feel sort of bring him back in a landscape where there's just so many more Asian characters now and Han is just one in a million almost? One in a dozen well, more like. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting, you know, like I I I, I honestly I feel I, I wake up in the morning, I feel like, man, I'm 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 still so happy I get to make movies for a living, you know, and 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 the fact that I, I still have that feeling and then I get together with Sung and he has the same feeling. But then we're like, no, but it's been like 20 years. We're like the old guys now, you know, we're like another generation, you know. And so having that perspective uh, and, and actually having someone that's been there from the beginning actually means so much because I remember when we started off um, in Tokyo Drift, when we were trying to do, you know, I was, I was bringing up this thing of like, why don't we do colorblind casting? Well, why don't we just, you know, every role, I just go and find the, whoever's the most talented and let's have, let's have it out, you know? And, and, the, and, and the studio was like, okay, well, we don't do that, but let's do it. And it was great, you know? And I remember doing it and the Asian American characters coming in, you know, they couldn't get off book. And I remember I pulled them aside and I said, Hey, like, this is a lead of a, and they're like, well, I'm just used to like one-liners, you know? And I realized it, it, this is something that if I can share with our community, um, but, but now when I go into auditions, Asian American actors come in and they feel like this is my role. And that kind of attitude was not present, I guess, in my generation as much. And so it's really great to kind of at least be witness to, you know, some change. I mean, there's still a ton of work to do, mm -hmm. but I think that, you know, having these opportunities uh, to be able to um, hopefully work with just talented people, I think we all benefit as as film viewers. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so you emphasize the use of practical effects in F9, but was there ever a stunt that um, you hit a wall with and you thought, we can't pull this off practically? Uh, yeah, the, uh, yeah, you just hit, they struck a chord in me. I just thought... <laughs> I actually was it was on this uh, it was on this train ride to Edinburgh for a scout and uh, I, I had the I had I had a plan to um, to take a, to take a Fiero to outer atmosphere in a, on a weather balloon <laughs> and uh, the cost kept coming in I kept fighting it and uh, I, I have to say if I'm looking back now um, that is the one that that is the one setup that I I I I, I I, I, I would have personally paid for the weather balloon. Like, I, I just, I love, I always love starting any crazy idea with truly um, doing it ourselves. I'm obviously, ultimately, we had a lot of reference uh, to work off of. But, uh, you know, if you're asking me personally, um, that, that was one that um, I was adamant. Um, but but the, the, the budget, I think even on big budgets, I, I, f I felt like we, I found the limit <laughs> of where we can do so. Well, speaking of um, taking things to the skies, how do you top the rocket car after this? Um, it, it's interesting. I, I, I don't know if I like think of it strategically as we have to top. I think on this one, it was special because when I was sitting down, you know, and talking to Vin, um, it, it, it became very clear to us that it was kind of it was 20 years for him, 15 years for me. And it, it's become kind of a generational um uh, franchise and and so we felt like 
if we were going to do anything kind of crazy and, and, and really push ourselves, um, maybe on this chapter, we've earned a little bit of that, you know? And so I was trying really hard to make sure that we, it didn't do it just to, just to do something crazy, but to hopefully earn it. And I felt like, you know, this kind of existential crisis that, that Roman was going on, I felt like it was a good, you know, potentially good match. And, and, um, but I, I think as a rule for me with this franchise, you know, we made a commitment all the way back in 05 that, you know, we, we're going to go where the characters take us, you know, um, we're going to acknowledge their, their, the fact that they evolve, that they age, you know, and they're going to have problems, uh, you know, not problems and issues and obstacles and, but also like, uh, you know, uh, additions, you know, like them coming together, having kids, starting a family to be able to do that in, um, you know, in a big action franchise, I think is very unique. And, and to be able to hopefully truly kind of embrace that, it allowed us to kind of keep pushing also in kind of our explorations of, of I mean, I don't want to say genres, but I, I, I think to, to kind of defy kind of the label that was always put on us from the beginning and just to see what, where we can go, what we can grow to, you know? And um, it, again, being away and coming back, it, 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 there are certain things that I, I now appreciate so much more. You know, I think talking to the fans, they talk about these characters as if they're part of their family, you know? And so I think that's something I, I want to make sure that as we move forward, that's what's driving us, not not this competitive uh, <laughs> spirit of trying to always top ourselves uh, just on, on scale. All right, thank you so much. It was great speaking with you today. Have thank a good you. one. Have a good day, thank you. And that does it for today's episode of Slash Home Daily. You can find more of all of our work at slashhome.com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter at slashhome.com. And please rate and review the, <laughs> I can't talk today. Please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. We'll see you tomorrow with our Loki spoiler discussion. I can't wait.